This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my co-host, Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, buddy. How are you? I resist the urge to sing, Brie. Aren't you proud of me? (laughs) 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 The hills are locked. Now now you got me doing it. If you're here with like the No Guilt Mom Podcast, you know we just break into song all the time. It's like, why come up with something to say yourself when you can borrow somebody else's words? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's either it's either breaking into song or breaking into quotes from movies and TV shows. Quotes <laughs> from movies and TV shows. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we have such an amazing interview for you today. They're with our friends, Cindy and Jen. You might have seen them on the Happy Mom Summit. They wrote the fabulous book, The Parent Compass. Cindy is a 10-time published author, mom of four, and a retired college counselor. Jen is an author, mom, and current private college counselor. Together, they authored the book, The Parent Compass, Navigating Your Teen's Wellness and Academic Journey in Today's Competitive World. They help tweens and teens navigate middle and high school, culminating in the college admissions process. And we hope you enjoy our interview with Cindy and Jen. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. 
Welcome to the podcast, Cindy and Jen. We are so excited to have you here and talk all about teen well-being through these high school years, which Bree and I have just entered. It is scary. With our children. <laughs> so welcome, welcome. Thank you so, true. so much for having us. They're scary years, but they're doable. We can do them. Well, I'll, I'll just say, I always say it's scary. And Joanne hears me say this all the time because my expertise, my background is in zero to five. I've been pretty much winging it since they were six. And the whole teenage years, I feel like I've gone back to like the toddler preschool age, but with way better vocabulary and a lot more eye rolls. <laughs> so... Well, Jen and I, we love teens. I I personally love teens, like love them even more than little kids. Like, oh, you're so cute. But what do I talk to you about? And with teens, it's like they get sarcasm. You can get get in with like a deeper level with them. And so I, I love it. And I'm so excited to dig in with you guys about your work because this issue of teen well-being really comes up a lot, especially in our balance coaching community, because we have a lot of parents in there whose kids are entering high school and just like how to really make sure our teens are are good mentally and are, are handling all this increased pressure that they have on them well and what we can do as parents. I mean, what are you guys seeing in terms of the pressures that teens are facing right now? I mean, Jen and I, like you, you know, Joanne, we have devoted our careers and our, you know, passion and our love is working with teens and they just have a soft spot in both of our hearts, you know, whether we've parented them or not. And I've parented a few of them. But I think, you know, we are seeing obviously great increase in pressure that's been added onto by, you know, the results and the impact of COVID. But kids who are stressed out, anxious, depressed, overwhelmed by school, by their parents, by the college process, by the world that's surrounding us with all sorts of icky news. And that was really a big part of the reason why we wrote the Parent Compass together to try to kind of get beneath that and pay really close attention to the mental health of these teens and what parents can do to help improve that. I love that because it's it's hard seeing like what our teens are going through right now. And it's hard to find figure out like how do we help them through it? What can we do as parents? Our well? field is education consulting. So we are college counselors and have been both working with teens for each of us over a decade and a half. And so we definitely say that things have changed over time. And the big catalyst for us was the college admission scandal. As Cindy mentioned we had been noticing that teens were stressed out and, and burned out. And so we wanted to write the parent compass because we were tracing a lot of that to exactly what your question is to parenting patterns. And we were seeing this cohort of kids that came into our offices and they could not speak for themselves and they could not even schedule appointments with us. They didn't know how to do that. They didn't have opinions. They couldn't articulate who they were, what their values were. And then we were seeing another cohort of kids who really were thriving, who could have really meaningful and in-depth conversations with us, who couldn't schedule appointments with us, had lots of opinions, lots of interests. And we were tracing those things to these parenting patterns. And what it seemed to come down to was this kind of keeping up with the Joneses mentality and the micromanaging and the overscheduling and the, well, you're not going to get into college if you don't. But that's actually not really what the research shows. And so we wanted to kind of get this message out there. We wanted to get the truth out there, which was, I guess if I could boil it down to one thing, it would be that research does show that it matters more what a child 
your teen does in college than where they go. And so we really, and that's a challenge success. If anyone hasn't heard of challenge success, go check them out because they're awesome. We, but we really wanted to get that message out there that our kids thrive when we equip them with the skills to thrive, not when we push them into something that we think that they should be doing. I 100% go with that because I, I feel like as a parent of my, my oldest is a sophomore right now. And I just am constantly going back and forth between, am I teaching you enough life skills to do things on your own? And that's the other thing too. Like I have to tell you, and I, I don't know how everybody else feels about this in podcast land, but a lot of times when I'm pushing my kids to do stuff on their own, like, Hey, make your own orth- orthodontist appointment, that the scheduler is looking at me and I'm like, I'm not in charge of your schedule. You know, very well when you're going to band practice and when you have something after school. And then we have the added joy of being in a, a divorced household. So my kids have two different households. And I'm like, you know, when your dad can take you to the orthodontist, I don't know his schedule. Trying to have them like have those life skills that they can do things on their own. But at the same time, not making, not feeling like I'm completely failing my kids when they're like, well, so-and-so's parents do all this stuff for them. And it's just like, oh, am I, am Wait. I screwing up at every step? Yeah. That's a hard- yeah, I want you to know that you are following your parent compass by doing just that, by equipping your kids to learn, learn those basic, basic life skills. You're not taking anything away from them. You're not punishing them. You are equipping them. And so you should feel good about that. So we will just say from our expertise, that's exactly what you should be doing. And you should be doing that, you know, in, in other ways as well. And it doesn't mean we cannot ever help our kids, certainly when they need to brainstorm or when they want to role play or figure some challenge out and they want your input, if they seem receptive to it, that's always a good thing to ask when you're sharing this with me, do you want my two cents or do you just want to kind of get it off your chest? But that being said, I think that's terrific what you just described. I'm going to record this say, and play it every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you to piggyback but, on that. And we actually wrote this into the book. One of my most impressive students who just had it together and like just really was just so impressive. I sat with her the last day that we worked together and I watched her over time. She was meticulous. And I said, what is it? What did your parents do? You know, I I think we're both always trying to learn from our students. And, you know, I think our, our students are our best kind of parenting instructors when we're looking at other, how they were parenting. <laughs> and she looked at me deadpan and she said, well, they made me do hard things. I mean, just without skipping a beat, she said that. And I just, that has always that's stuck really with it. me. And so I think that's sort of what, what you're saying, you know, your, your kid has to do hard things and that's how they grow in their resilience. Shout out to Clarendon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Brie here, and let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms 
and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Hey all, it is Joanne and Bree here and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. It's so, so true. And even I click on the clickbait parenting articles where it's like, parenting expert says one skill parents need by the mom of successful kids. And it's Esther Wohickey, who is like the mom of YouTube CEO, 23andMe founder, like she has all these successful kids. And the thing she said, her parenting advice was, don't do something for your kids that they can do on their own. And I was like, yeah, it's really yeah. Advice. And it's funny because as we're raising them through the high school years, we're trying to equip them with some skills that will help them in college. Like the basic ones, like doing laundry and changing your sheets and boiling an egg and some of those basic skills. Mm-hmm. But Jen and I were talking a lot about how important this is in everything we're seeing with mental health in teens, that you have to also prepare them for the mental health piece of when they leave the nest. And a lot of that happens while they're in high school to be able to have those conversations and those check-ins to let them know you're in their corner, to get them help when they need it, professional help, you know, medication, whatever it might be to help them through some of these times that can be pretty tough in these teenage years. And so for them to feel feel supported and listened to and heard and that you care about their mental health, they, you know, they respond well to that. They see you as you know, less of kind of the the bossy parent and more as a kind of partner or a supporter or a cheerleader. Yes. And one thing that you say that parents need to do is to ask good questions. And when you're looking at that, like what kind of questions do you recommend parents ask? I think we're all conditioned to ask 
when they get in the car, when they, you know, trudge in the door, how was your day? Yep. And that never leads anywhere. Right. Fine. Yep. Stop asking. Oh my gosh. So much grumpiness for my daughter when I ask that. So um, we actually, we, we even consulted question experts. We listed a ton of sample questions that you can ask are all listed in the parent compass. One of the ones that I like is, did you ask a good question today? And that actually comes from an example that we gave about a Nobel laureate who tells a story about how when he got home, all of his his friends' moms were asking, you know, what did you get on your test today? Or how did that assignment go? And his mom, what he asked was, what was your good question that you asked today? And he credits that to all that he then achieved. And so I think that's, I don't know, Cindy, if you have another one that you really like, but that's one of my favorites that I think really opens up the door and gets them thinking, oh, I, I should be asking good questions. What's a good question I can ask tomorrow? Yeah. And I mean, you could get more fun and funny with them too. Like, you know, if, if today was a theme song, what would it have been? And then your kids can start thinking about lyrics of, of songs that they like, or they think uh, you're, maybe they think you're weird for asking that. So a lot of no, times- Joanne's, Joanne's kids could knock that one out of the park. There you go. There you go. And, you know, kind of the rose and the thorn, like what was a highlight from today and a low light from today. But even to be more creative, one of our questions is what is your tennis ball or what was your tennis ball today? What was the thing you were chasing after? So what excited you or what was something funny that happened? You know, so we, we kind of distilled down our favorite, probably 40 or 50 questions. And I personally, on my own, try to kind of rotate through those with my kids when I feel stuck. Because one of my kids is a mumbler. Just he doesn't emote very much. He kind of talks with his head down a little bit and the words kind of blur together. And and my husband turns to me and I turn to him. We're like, did you understand what he just said? And so if we can get the right question and get him on a topic that excites him, the mumbling goes away and it becomes, you know, you know, a a conversation instead of just a, a grumble. It doesn't that make you so excited when you've got a grumble, when you've got a mumbler or the one that just gives you the one word answers and suddenly you've managed to find it and they start talking and you're like, oh my God, I don't want to say anything. Don't move. You might scare him. No, we high five after that. Right? Not show excitement. Don't the room. We high five. We're like, did that just happen? That just yeah, happened. Play, play it calm. Play it chill. I don't want to know. I'm into this conversation. Can't let him know I'm into the conversation. So true. That's so true. But with teens, it's very, very like tricky like that. You have to monitor your own emotions because they are so aware of changes in your tone. And sometimes, I mean, the teenage brain, it's been known, they misinterpret things all the time. And that is something that I feel like I'm navigating through right now as a parent is knowing that my kids' reactions to things aren't necessarily things I've done, but things they're misinterpreting that I've done. It's like really another language, right? We've got to think about what we ask and oftentimes the time we ask it. So food really helps. Devices away Mm -hmm. obviously help from the distraction. Sometimes the car ride is good because there is less to do in the car. But I do think that, you know, finding that right moment and when they get right, when they walk in from school, the last thing they want is to be peppered with questions. They just, you know, I think do need that downtime. We all do, right? Like we just sort of want to, you know, decompress a little bit before we download our day. Yeah. I think it's a good point. Asking good questions is like one component, but there's also, once you get the answer to a question, you have to be a good listener. So how, how do you recommend that parents listen 
to their kids. Because it's more than just, I sat there and listened to what you said, right? There's got to be more. Yeah. I think one of the challenges is that as parents, we really quickly want to jump in and fix or solve or give advice. And the reality is, the vast majority of the time, that's not what they're looking for. They, they want to vent. They need to get something off their chest. And something that I saw long ago but has stuck with me is the image of the, the fact that the words listen and silent are equal. They have the same letters. They're just in a different order. And I huh. think that that is – think about it. Right? I never realized that. (laughs) And so I think that it is actually such a wonderful image and depiction for what it means to really listen. It means that we need to zip our lips and be silent and absorb whatever our kid is telling us. I think beyond that, I think some I would have would be making body posture is a really great way to show that you're attuned. So if the person that is speaking to you is sitting there with their, you know, legs crossed and maybe hunched over a little bit, try that and see if it makes them feel like you are with them in the moment. The thing is paraphrasing back to them. Not only does it force you to stay in the moment, because it's easy for our mind to wander if our, if our teen is talking to us about this or that, but paraphrasing means you have to pay attention. You have to be in the moment with them. And then also it makes them feel understood because you're repeating back to them in your own words, meaning you digested what they said and and saying it back to them. So you can say something like, so what I hear you saying is, and then, um, and then go there. And then also eye contact. I think in our world of distraction, the ding of our cell phones is so intoxicating And I think that, you know, if if we're talking to anybody, I think a lot of these skills go toward not just teens, but honestly, anybody, a a spouse or a friend or whatever the case may be, we're looking down, you know, every time our, our cell phone dings, we're not listening or we're not showing that we're listening. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. 
I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. So I would say make sure to you know maintain eye contact and either put your phone away, put it in another room, keep it on silent, keep it on do not disturb. I just want to add one more comment on Jen's listening, which we were really fortunate that our book was endorsed by one of our all-time favorite authors and also podcaster and PBS host, Kelly Corrigan, who's written some wonderful books. And her most recent book, they're all New York Times bestsellers, but it's called Tell Me More. And just using the title of her book and the words, Tell Me More, or mm-hmm, I Hear You, or What Happened Next?, are all you really have to say when your kid is unloading because it's another way of acknowledging that you're there and you're with them. And and if there's more they want to say, you're there to receive it. And then also don't take offense when you say, tell me more. And they're like, there is no more. I just told you everything. It's done. (laughs) Yes. And you're like, you're like, I got half a story, but okay. Okay. Yes. (laughs) And it's just, it's just how they work. It's just how they work right now through the high school years is that really making sure that you're supporting your kids, their own interests, instead of trying to steer them in a way you think they should go. How have you seen this show up in your work with parents? For me, the way it's shown up with kids is the ones who tell me, you know, I'm only doing this because my mom or dad are making me and, um, or, you know, I don't really want to do it, but I've heard it looks good for college or, you know, those are just cringe worthy moments to have as a college counselor with a kid because it's heartbreaking. Really, they're not choosing to do something because they enjoy it. They're choosing it because they think it's an, you know, a means to an end or they've been told that they kind of need to do it. And we do share some pretty brutal case studies of kids we've worked with or kids we've met along the way in our book. And the one that comes to mind is this student that I talk about that my family and I met on a vacation. We were on the same tour bus and this poor kid, he was traveling alone with his parents. He was an only child. He was a high school junior getting ready for his senior year. So this is in the summer. And we just started making conversation because we were on a bus ride and our kids were about the same age. And I said, what kinds of things are you interested in doing for fun? And he kind of looked at both of his parents and he said, well, I'm a diver, but I really hate it. And the parents kind of turned red. And then he sort of, and I said, oh, (laughs) I actually might've said, tell me more. (laughs) And he said, well, my parents have made me dive and swim, you know, since I was really young and I'm just, I don't like it anymore. I want to quit. I'm really burnt out. And I said, wow, that's, that must be really, you know, challenging. What, what else would you want to be doing with your time instead of that? He said, well, yeah, it takes so much time. I want to write a article for the school newspaper. I want to have a girlfriend. I want to go to the prom. I want to, you know, do different things. And this was the one thing. And obviously he was, you know, reaching out in desperation, sharing this with a family of strangers, but we've heard similar stories in our offices of kids who are just unhappy with the things that they feel like their parents have chosen for them. And our comment would be, hang on, hold the phone. Like we once were teens and we got to do teenage life. It's their turn, right? So even if they're making a choice for an activity or something that just doesn't click click with you or appeal to you, or you think it's not worthwhile or this or that, it's not up to us 
to choose that. In fact, the best ways we can engage with them are to support the things that excite them and to let them educate us and teach us more about the things that excite them. So we've really got to be careful that we're not pushing our kids into things that they don't like spending their time doing, because honestly, they'll grow to resent you. It's pretty terrible. They will be miserable. And we're not telling them, you know, we see you and we want to let you choose. You can try a few things and then settle in. And it doesn't mean some things won't get hard or you might get bored over time or you might get a little bit of burnout and take a break and maybe then go back or maybe not go back. But those activities and and outside interests are are really not up to us to choose. It's up to us to drive them those places if they need a ride. And what I hear you talking about is making kids stay in long-term activities so that it looks like good in a college application. Like that is no, no bueno. But like sometimes... As a parent, I find that my my kids are really reluctant to That's try. Exactly. I have to be the one to be like, in. I just did it with a leadership camp this past summer with my daughter. It was a week-long camp. We got a friend to go with her. She didn't want to try it. And I'm like, listen, it's just a week. It's a day camp. Just go and try it and see what it feels at the end. And I really got pushback on it. Like the first morning, it was like, mom, I don't want to do this. Like you're forcing me to do it. Parents shouldn't force their kids to do things. And I'm like, short term, try it out. Turns out she loved it. She wants right. to go back. So there's like a difference between the and long-term. That's exactly and the, the, what like, my question was. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I feel like with the way things are, you guys were talking about this, like everybody with their phones, like, especially with recently with the pandemic, I feel like so many people, kids and adults, we've all gotten used to being our little, our little cocoon, our little home staying here. I can talk to my friends online. It's mm-hmm. fine. I don't need to be in real life. And I feel like as parents, we're a lot of times like, okay, I have to like, come on, push you out the door, get the heck out of Dodge. You need to go do something. But at the same time, it's like Joanne just totally exquisitely put together of the whole, like, where do you find that line, right? (laughs) Of what's pushing too much and, and what isn't, I don't know what's needed. Yeah, that's good. Where is the line? When do you know, like... It's not beneficial for the kid anymore. I mean, I'll say it, it really comes down to communication and following what you think are kind of some of those signals. We've all been there as parents and wanting our kids to just be exposed to certain things. But I think it's the reaction sometimes to it. If that exposure didn't go well and wasn't so successful and it should never be like, see, I told you so. I knew you would like it. It could just be like, I'm so glad you liked it. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad yeah. no, you got to try that. That's a really neat life experience or good job for trying. And now we know you don't like it, you know? So I, I think that I that fine line that. comes just with communicating with your kids in a more open way and the check-ins of, you know, how are you doing with soccer practice right now? You know, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, a lot of, a lot more exhaustion than I usually see, or a lot more bruises or a lot more, you know, disappointment when you come home from practice, what's up? Or do you want to try something new? Is there something new I can help you explore or, you know, whatever it might be. So I think it's kid by kid, but it does come to, um, Mm -hmm. there's the fine line, but I think we kind of know when it goes from, Let's just try it. I think it would be great. And you know what? If I'm wrong, totally my bad. But if I'm, you know, but if it turns out to be great, I'm glad you did it. Yeah. Check it off. Check it off your list. Exactly. Yeah. And helping them know that if they realize that they don't like something, I think that it's just as valuable as finding out that they do like something. So a lot of kids put all this pressure on themselves to have it all figured out when they're a freshman in high school. That's just not age appropriate, quite frankly. And so, you know, I like to tell my students to explore. And if you figure out that you thought you were going to like engineering, but you absolutely hate it, 
great. Now that gives you a little more information on what you might like. Um, so just kind of reinforcing that message that it's always great to try. And then if you find out that it's not working for you, it's all right to move on and find something else that does. Absolutely. I I think that this this discussion about making trying new things, asking questions of your kids and then making sure that you're listening to them and that they know you're listening to them is it's so important. I've read The Parent <laughs> Compass. It is a phenomenal book and everybody listening should go out and get it right now. <laughs> Thank you so so much Jen and Cindy for coming Thanks on. Thanks for hosting and, us. Uh, Thank we'll you. talk to you later. Okay, as a mom of teens, I was so excited to talk to them because I constantly feel like I, I like a compass spinning. It's a perfect example of the whole parent compass. I feel like a compass that is spinning. I never know which direction to go with my kids. Am I going the right way? Am I going the wrong way? I, I don't know. It's interesting how they said, like, usually with your parent compass, though, you know the way you want to go. And it's all about tuning out that outside noise and and following like your gut for what's best for kids. Like, especially you, Brie, because I mean, you have all the knowledge and you have all the expertise and your gut says yes, but like all these outside forces are coming right. at you and being like, no. Right. And oh my gosh, am I doing this wrong? Maybe I should be doing this differently. Yeah, you're right. And it's sometimes it's just a matter of listening to our gut and feeling a little bit more sure about what we should do. But Everything that they said, I, I, for people that watch this episode, because we're recording them now and they're on YouTube, you can see me the whole time shaking my head. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. There's so much good in it. And uh, we hope that you got a lot out of our interview with Cindy and Jen. And until next time, remember the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.